I don't uh, know how much time any of you spend on social media of various kinds. I spend all sorts of times on Facebook and Twitter and other kinds of places. And periodically I feel the need to come to the defense of some of my atheist friends when some of my Christian friends tweet ugly things. Uh, and I, I use the word friends very lightly. I don't know any of these people on Twitter, and it's not my job to defend them. But periodically... So one day, it wasn't that recently in all honesty, I was on Twitter paying attention to an ongoing debate about God, which I always find adventuresome, because how do you talk about God in 240 characters? But, you know, people can do it, I guess, uh, or not talk about God in 240 characters, uh, but they do. And so I was watching this conversation go back and forth, and finally, you know, I, and I'm convinced that my atheist and agnostic sisters and brothers get a kick out of this. They finally baited the Christian enough so that he just flamed them. And I thought, you have crossed that line, brother or sister, who knows, or bot from Russia. Uh, you know, uh, um, whoever you are, you have crossed a line. And so I, uh, I, I, you know, I said, you know, that's just not who I, you know, think that the tone needs to take or whatever. And so then the funny thing is, instead of feeling defended, my atheist friend decided that it was time to go after me. <laughs> and it was an adventure. We went back and forth, and I talked a little bit about what I saw about God and how big the love was. And we talked about evolution, and we talked about greatness, and we talked about all this big stuff. And I thought we were having this wonderful conversation and he said, but you have not showed me any proof. Show me proof. And I talked about some things, and then he said, but that's not proof. And I said, and so I talked about some more things, and he was like, if you don't give me proof on the next tweet back, I'm blocking you. <laughs> and I said, I guess you're going to be blocking me. And sure enough, <laughs> with that tweet, he did. Uh, and, you know, that's okay. That kind of conversation of... Maybe he wasn't ready for me to be in conversation with him. Maybe I wasn't ready to hear what he had to say. And the truth is, you wonder where this story is going, but I think this story is all about that piece uh, that I didn't deal with last week. That's the bridging piece in verse, um, in verse 6 of uh, chapter 7 of Matthew. You remember last week we talked about judging. How's that going for you all, by the way? Have you let that go? Just stopped? No more judging? No more judging yourself? No more judging your neighbor? No more judging the driver in front of you? No more people judging in the line that you're in? in? Good. You have succeeded in exactly, that's the challenge. So now we're moving on to the next challenge in the, uh, uh, and if you didn't know that was the challenge, that was the challenge this week. So you're going to take it up this week. No more judging. No more judging at all. But speaking of judging, here we go in verse 6. Let me read this to you. Don't give holy things to dogs. You know, so I'll stop letting Reedy wear my cross. Is that what the deal is? Uh, okay, don't give holy things to dogs and don't throw your pearls in front of pigs. They will stomp on the pearls, then turn around and attack you. I was thinking about this really delightful verse this week because I was like, what does that have to do with the don't judge piece or the seek, ask, and find piece that comes after it? And I thought, you know what that is? That's a wonderful bridging piece. 
Jesus, the masterful storyteller and preacher, has this wonderful bridging piece. Because what that piece I'm convinced is about, now I spent the week thinking about it all week long. In fact, I probably spent too much time on verse 6 when I should have spent more time on 7 through 11. But uh, I spent a lot of verse time on 6 because I'm like, dude, you sometimes teach in the most, you know, obscure ways. How is this going to draw me into this, uh, this conversation? And it's about readiness. You know, uh, I think that what Jesus is saying here is uh, sometimes you have to discern whether this conversation, whether you're ready for this conversation, whether you're ready to lay out. You know, I have seen people go at, you know, go at people, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Are you going to heaven? Are you saved? You know, right at people who aren't, you know, who are just walking to work, <laughs> you know, uh, and they're not ready to have this conversation. They maybe haven't even had their first cup of coffee. And let me tell you what, you don't want to have a conversation with me before I've had my first cup of coffee. You can have one. And I'll nod probably knowingly while I'm trying to go make my coffee. And I will nod and listen. And, and then you'll repeat, ask me to repeat back what you said. And I'll just keep nodding like, you know, you're still telling me something. Because I didn't hear you. So, you know. Sometimes we have to be clear about whether or not and discern, that's not judging. Remember, we talked about that last week. There's a difference between discerning and judging, and that discernment is about finding truth. Maybe it's not time to lay out that truth before somebody because it'll just set them off. It'll push them in the wrong direction. It will not open the door to Jesus. I know we're told to evangelize. I know we're told to proclaim this love, but you don't proclaim love by telling people first that they're going to hell. That's just not a proclamation of love. I'm sorry. That's just, if you want to really start an argument, just tell somebody they're going to hell. Just, just do it. I can tell you right now, that'll open the door for the argument of your lifetime. Uh, if there's even time to have anything. Conversations are about listening and responding and going back and forth. So, Right after this piece that bridges us from discernment about timing comes this kind of endless, wonderful piece that I love that Jesus says. He's, after that piece, I was like, I really need something a little lighter, Jesus. And he's like, okay, fine. Ask and you'll receive. Search and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Who among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for a fish? If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? You know, as I thought about this, this piece, what a wonderful piece it is about seeking, knocking, and asking. All three pieces. Now, What's interesting to me about them is there's no, there's no timetable that's listed here. Ask and you'll receive. It doesn't say now. It doesn't say 15 minutes from now. It doesn't say tomorrow. It doesn't say in a week or a month or a year or in this lifetime. It doesn't say that. It says ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened in God's timing. And I began to think, what about God's timing? Because, you know, sometimes God is not on my time. And I don't know what God is. Does not God keep his little watch set to my watch? I need him to set it to mine. Look, do you know what time it is? It is 
Come on, Fitbit, you can't do it with my Bible. 11.35, it's 11.35, I know what time it is. You know, time to get wild and loose, whatever. So, you know, God, can't you get on my time? Can't you get on my time? Because I don't have time for your time. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. I, you know, I want to seek and find now. Where's the now in that verse? Ask and receive now. Knock and the door gets open now. And God's like, James, I just said, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and you will receive. Not when. It's not a now thing. Sometimes it's the continuous asking, the continuous seeking, the continuous knocking that brings us to a place where we're ready to receive. Because sometimes, and I'm convinced that the transition verse, verse 5 was there for a reason, sometimes I'm the dog. Sometimes I'm the pig. I'm not ready for the pearl. I'm not ready for the holy thing. I'm not ready to receive the answer. I began to think about this especially now because recently as I've been doing all this heavy reading for the living school, I realized that if I did this heavy reading, this heavy reading ten, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have gotten half of what I read. And sometimes I don't get half of what I read anyway. So I would get zero of what I read. That the experience would come at me in a whole different way. That this is the right time. This is the right time for me to be doing it. This is the right space in my life to be. And God knows that 10 years ago, I was the dog. There's nothing wrong with being the dog. He does, Jesus doesn't say, dogs are bad. Dogs aren't ready. You throw holy things in front of them, they're going to trample them. He didn't say anything. There was Now, of course, pigs were unclean. Jesus uses the unclean image. You know, you throw the pearl pearl of great value, there's something of great beauty in front of the pig. The pig doesn't know any better, it's going to stomp it. And maybe because they're hungry and pearls don't, you know, provide much sustenance, they're going to eat you. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that was supposed to mean, except that sometimes I'm not ready. I'm not at that place where God is prepared to answer what I ask or, uh, you know, let me find what I was seeking or open the door. Those are all timings that are outside of my control. And I don't like that. But that's a part of faith. That's a part of the journey of faith. That doesn't mean stop asking because you're not going to get it when you want it. Don't be throwing a tantrum, you know, my dear friends, like sometimes your pastor does when God doesn't answer when I expect. I mean, straight up, I would like to tell you that I have this perfect faith life. I'm sure you think that for the other 167 hours of the week, I'm out there just floating on a cloud. You know, you can see me with my legs crossed, just floating up there, sitting on a cloud. And Jesus floats by and says, James, you're just doing so wonderfully. Keep floating. And you just keep floating by. And maybe an angel goes by and Moses says, hey, hey, dude, what's up today? You know, I've been thinking about the Ten Commandments. You know, and he's like, dude, didn't I do a good job? Yeah, okay. You know, it floats on by. I just want a picture in my mind. But that's not what happens. I go into real life just like all of you do. And I leave this space uh, and I go out and I talk to real people. Not that you're not real people, but I, I sometimes think you think that you need to be on your best behavior because, after all, it is Pastor James. And you know he has that special connection to God, which uh, I, uh, 
I'll just give you a heads up. I don't want to ruin it for you. My connection is no better or worse than any of yours. And I don't float on a cloud most of the week. And sometimes I really drop the ball. And sometimes I am not ready for what God offers me. And sometimes I'm not paying attention when he offers. Sometimes I'm not paying attention. And he has to offer it again and again. And you see, I need to learn to do what this last, you know, what this, that next section talks about. After it talks about seeking and knocking and asking. It says, and you heard me. You know, who among you will give your children a stone if they ask for bread? Or give them a snake if they ask for fish? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good things to those who ask you? It's all a matter of trust. And see, this is the hard part of faith. This is why it's really easy to not do this faith thing if we're really honest with each other. It's really, it'd be much easier not to do it. Because it requires me to trust in a being I can't see. It requires me to live into every day in love when I'm not always feeling that river of love that is around me all the time. Paul was absolutely right when he preached that wonderful sermon to the Athenians and he said, in God we live and move and have our being. But I want to feel it. I want to feel it all the time. I want it to be rushing on me so hard that I can't mistake it for anything else. And it's not like that. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is for me like a vast openness that I cannot even speak of because there are no words. And then sometimes it's just trying to be patient while I'm chopping something up in the kitchen. And Linda wants to get on this side where I'm chopping and I'm holding a sharp instrument. And so then I'm moving the sharp instrument over here with all the stuff and some of it drops on the floor. And I'm having some thoughts about the things that are dropping on the floor and the knife that I'm holding. And, you know, enough said. <laughs> enough said. Not any bad thoughts, of course, honey. Not about you. And uh, we actually now have all this space in the kitchen because you all did a renovation on the Parsonage kitchen and we are just two thumbs up in there because I almost never get in Linda's way or she in mine. Uh, when four of us are in there, it can be a little bit much, but I think that's every kitchen. The, the long and short is, in this dance, we have to learn to trust that God will do what God needs to do when God needs to do it. And trust is so hard. Trust is so hard because in our lifetimes, we've been wounded by trust. We trusted somebody who let us down. And sometimes it's not even intentional. We trusted them to say they would do something, and then they tried, and they couldn't get it done. Or they didn't show up when we thought they would. Or whatever. You know, you came on a Sunday morning. There was the promise that James might say something inspirational, and he dropped the ball again. <laughs> he dropped the ball again. You know, that kind of thing. You just never know. You never, ever know, but you have to trust. God says and promises that if we can trust, that our seeking won't be in vain, our asking won't be in vain, our knocking won't be in vain. It just won't always be the way we expected it. 
And that's the hard part of this journey of faith. Because I, I want a little bit more control. I want a little bit more control. And apparently I just have to surrender and abandon myself to the endless love that is God and trust that somehow in the midst of it all, God will speak a word of love through me and will move through me and will use my life in whatever way God chooses. That I will reflect that one note I am supposed to sing or that one piece of the tapestry one thread that I will be that thread the way God imagined I would be a brilliant red instead of a dull green or something whatever I'm supposed to be God will use that but it requires trust and that's why faith isn't 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 for the faint of heart if you think that this is the easy ride you know I talk to people all the time who say well you know faith is a crutch it's you know it's for the faint of heart it's for those who can't stand on their own You've clearly never tried it. <laughs> it's, you know, how do you hang on when there's disasters happening and people are drowning because of a, of a hurricane that lost all of its intense winds, which were supposed to be the problem, but they weren't the problem. It's the rain and the floods that came with it. What am I supposed to think about that? What am I supposed to think about the, the richest nation in the world who can't feed the poor and the poor can't get to the grocery store because they're the ones that are trapped by the water because the rich of us can go away and stay in a hotel somewhere? What am I supposed to think? In those moments, how do I trust a God that doesn't fix that problem? And God says, well, how do I trust you, James, when you don't do anything about it? I didn't create this. You did, boy. Get up and do something. And stop whining about what I don't do. Ooh. I wasn't prepared for that. Don't put those pearls in front of this swine, God, because I will charge at you. If you don't think anybody charges at God sometimes, read the Psalms. Those are some charges. Those are some kind of bad asks occasionally from God. We live in a tough world. And maybe the easy answer is atheism. I will not choose the easy answer. And maybe if you have a pat kind of faith where there's always a simple way to understand how everything happens, maybe faith is an easy, is an easy journey. But I am finding faith is a hard journey. But it's worth every minute of it. It is worth every minute of this journey. God laid it all on the line for me. Everything. Everything. Life itself. So that I might be resurrected and made new. And not in the next life, but right now. I can be alive now. You can be alive now. We can live like we're alive now. All those little deaths that life throws our way, we can rise above them. Be raised up. By the power of the Holy Spirit that blows where it will, when it will. Jesus preached this sermon on a mount and invited us to be disciples. And he never promised it was going to be easy. Did you hear the eight sermons, by the way, on the, uh, on the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's real easy. I got that one down. You know, blessed are the merciful. Oh, I got that too. 
So does Megan, I know, because she told us. <laughs> she told us how hard it was for her. The whole sermon is hard. And it reshapes us to a life that's full. To a life that's full and fully livable every single day. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on this life. So your assignment. I try to do these every week. First of all, stretch your trust a little bit. Maybe you've been seeking. Maybe you've been asking. Maybe you've been knocking for a long time. And you just get tired of pounding on the door. You don't want to be pounding in the middle of the night. You'd like to be sleeping in the middle of the night. And sometimes you just have to pound and knock and seek and ask. And sometimes your faith grows not when you get the answer, not when the door is opened, but in the seeking itself. So stretch your trust. Can you trust God? Is God trustworthy to you? Because let's just be honest. If God isn't trustworthy to you, let's just quit this. Let's not come in this space anymore. Let's not waste our time or God's time or anybody else's time. You all could be getting ready for your watching football party this afternoon. Unless you don't watch football, then you don't have to. You know. Get ready for your rain party or... <laughs> Yay, another day of rain. I don't know. Stretch your trust. Beyond stretching your trust, you need to keep awake. It is real easy to fall asleep and miss the little nuggets of wonder that God gives us every single day. You know, I used to talk all the time about driving in the car. Jim Finley who is one of the core teachers in the living school, says, you know, you can treat your car any way you want to when you're out on the road. But he says he treats it like his little hermitage. You know, he's on his way to work. He can't go any faster than the person in front of him, and the person behind him can't go any faster than he's going. So while he's going, he just uses that as a time to be with God, alone in his, alone in his little space. Now, if you're commuting with about six other people, you can't do that necessarily. But if you're by yourself in your car, like 93% of Americans apparently are, <laughs> um, you have this moment in your hermitage. It can be your space. You can reclaim that space as sacred space. And if it takes you three hours to get to work, you got three hours with Jesus you didn't have. <laughs> yeah, you probably made your boss a little uncomfortable, but, you know, life is like that. You got three hours with Jesus. You can see it how you choose to see it, but keep awake for those moments when you can be there and in the presence. Never give up seeking. Never give up asking. Never give up knocking. Because those who seek will find. And those who knock will have the door answered. And those who, whatever the last one was, ask, <laughs> will receive. So let that be your practice this week. Keep up your practice, whatever your practice is. If you pray for five minutes a day, keep that up. If you read the Bible for five minutes a day or ten minutes a day or during your lunch, keep that up. Keep up your practice, trusting that God will be in it. 